You're listening to Bricks and Mortar from EG with Sarah Jackman. Today, I'm joined by Richard Lamming, Senior Director of Economics at Turley, for a look at the evolution of the planner's skill set. Richard, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, Let's start by perhaps you telling me a little bit about your role and the type of work that you undertake. And then perhaps we can have a little look at how that's evolved over the last decade. Great. Thank you very much, Sarah. Um, My role at Turley is um, I'm part of the leadership team at Turley. I was recruited about 10 years ago uh, to set up our national economics team. Um, And I think probably because of the amount of data and sort of digital tools that we use in economics for planning and for property, the company probably thought, ah, Richard would be a good candidate to start thinking about how we need to evolve our business and sort of face into a digital future. So that's how I I kind of became involved with this. And um, it's a really fascinating area, really, because the planning system in England is well, it's approaching 100 years old, almost 80 years old. And for a lot of that time, it's been a very kind of analog paper based system. Um, And I can probably trace this back even, you know, I've been practicing now for just over 20 years. And um, when I started working, some of my first jobs were having to physically go to council's offices and retrieve pieces of paper and note down information about property and sites and um, land ownership details as well and bring that information back and then transcribe that. Um, I mean that's a world away from the way that our consultants and, and people in property now work you know with the uh, the translation of everything online but yeah planning was a very analog activity um, and we've seen it slowly embrace uh, more sort of digital means of, of collecting information and using that to, to start making better decisions. OK, so let's focus in on that a little bit more then, just in terms of that evolution and things becoming a little bit more digitised and so on. Give our listeners a flavour of how some of the specific processes have evolved. What, what sort of thing do you see happening digitally today versus a decade ago? I think um, probably a, a really good sort of outward sign of the planning system digitising has been around for a while now, so a number of years, but um, Local plans, which contain all all the sort of policies for the the development and regulation of land and the allocation of land, used to be paper based and local authorities over time have brought them online. So you can very quickly search for uh, your local development plan and you can find out the policies relating to a specific area. You can access the the key plan and the spatial policies. Um, 10 or 15 years ago, if you tried to do the same thing, you know, good luck. Um, And I'm not uh, suggesting that it's a perfect system. Um, We've still got issues with um, how plans appear online being very, very different between local authorities. So if you wanted to try and stitch plans together and make sense of a much wider area, sometimes it's difficult to do that. But yeah, I think the the pure availability of data online uh, is a really big significant step forwards. Um, If we were to pass forward into the future, an even bigger step 
would be to make some of the data that underlies those policies available freely to everyone. Um, we're not quite there yet, um, but that's something I hope for in the future. Okay. Tell me a little bit about the shift that's happened over the last few years. I guess we've had the the onset of the pandemic, and I know an awful lot of staff transitioned online then, including planning committees. Um, to what extent did that period accelerate what was already happening in the planning world? I think so. It had a it had a huge impact. Um, I mean, it basically severed the need to meet in person to to make decisions or to consult on policies and plans and applications. Um, so you're absolutely right. Planning committees had to go online. The, you know, the the cogs of the local authorities needed to keep turning and they proved that they could do it. I think there's probably uh, evidence on both sides, whether that's speeded up decision making. I think it was more out of necessity that it, it just they changed the medium in which they were meeting. I was working during that period uh, and um, I had a very big project on where we needed to engage with the residents of a whole town uh, about a, it was actually a town fund project. Um, so we were trying to get money and set the sort of vision for, for a town in the northwest of England. And uh, we started the project in March 2020. And uh, yeah, I won't lie to you. We were a little bit worried about how are we actually going to get out and meet a, a representative group of the population to get their views on how that town's going to change. But actually, the pandemic, again, sort of forced us to do things differently. And we went 100 percent digital and we actually proved to ourselves and the local authority we were working with that we could achieve a really, really good response rate and reach out to some parts of the population which are traditionally quite hard to reach. So we had 7,000 individual responses to that consultation, which I think was the um, you know the most responded to consultation that authority had ever done on a single proposal. So that's given us a lot of confidence. And I think we were also looking around us at what our competitors and collaborators in, in the industry are doing. And we started to see some um, other firms starting to use new digital tools, so like the metaverse, to actually create digital environments where um, consultees in the planning process could actually sort of immerse themselves in development proposals, view information uh, and do that in a way which kind of resembled uh, an online version of the world. So, yeah, the pandemic, obviously, you know, a terrible shock, but also um, it had some benefits in terms of uptake of digital technology. And I think there's no going back from that now. So every client we talk to now we're always talking about hybrid approaches to consultation um, and engagements. So some, maybe some in person, some physical media, uh, but also really strong digital online content. And I guess the, the only other thing I would say is in moving to digital, particularly in terms of consulting on plans and development proposals. We can obviously um, start to actually target um, consultations to pick particular groups and demographics using social media. So it's actually become much more sophisticated the way that we um, engage with different audiences. And that's a real benefit. Yeah, um, you, you've touched on it already, but um, tell me a little bit about the type of change that you anticipate going forward. I mean, one of the things that I'm particularly interested in is the effect of AI and, and the extent to which you think that will have a bearing on your industry. 
Great. Yeah, there's a, there's a number of things going on at the moment, um, some of which will become clearer towards the end of this year, I think. But where I'd start uh, answering that is that the planning system in England um, is in the process of being reformed at the moment. And we're aware that DLUC, the government department responsible for planning, is actually moving towards a digital system of local plans. So work is going on furiously behind the scenes at the moment to try and devise a much more consistent way to preparing plans and, and land allocation and policy across all of the 300 plus authorities in, in England. Um, and I think if we do move to something where the government is perhaps giving local authorities more of a digital template to fill out, uh, that's going to have, could have some really positive effects really. I think at one level I would say there's a big benefit by having consistency in the planning system in being able to actually um, read across the administrative areas of local authorities. So, you know, in our job, quite often we're looking at the relationships, you know, the need for employment land or the need for homes and property markets don't respect those administrative boundaries. So it's really helpful if we can try and build up data sets and, and look at the impact of policies beyond the local authority area level. So the government's digitization, I think, will help us to do that. And I think if they standardize some of the data that goes into plan making as well, that could have a really liberating effect on officers at local authorities. So if there's more standardization and templating or model policies that go into plans, that means potentially officers are freed up to actually think more about the strategic choices for their areas and maybe to focus more in terms of political and other stakeholder engagement as well. So that's the big sort of systemic change that I think is going to have a bit of a profound effect on the way that, that planning is done in England. In terms of AI, again, I think there's some real sort of efficiency savings in some parts of the planning system. And planning is, you know, it's much maligned for being a very sort of slow activity uh, that slows down the development industry. You know, it's very difficult to find people that, that talk positively about the way the system works at the moment. I think there are tasks involved in the planning system that are quite labour intensive um, and that, frankly, local planning authorities are under resourced and just don't have the capacity to do. So things like validating applications, some of the manual sort of compliance exercises associating with planning applications, all of that AI could be used to sort of streamline that process and undertake some of those tasks. And again, maybe free up officer time to actually spend more time in terms of reaching a planning balance and balancing all the different competing factors. I think AI could also actually be deployed quite quickly in analysing consultation responses on, on applications as well. And I believe that the planning inspectorate is, is looking at trialling uh, AI for exactly that purpose. Um, so, you know, for major schemes, NSIPs, national infrastructure projects, where you get lots and lots of responses, uh, it's a manual exercise and it takes a very long time to code the responses and sort of make sense of them. AI could do that much quicker. And I think that that probably then links to well, what skills do we need as, as planners going forward if we're going to coexist and thrive alongside AI and, and make sure that we still have a, a role and purpose yeah. in the system. Absolutely. And I, I think 
that's I guess one of the key questions that I wanted to ask you today I mean you've you've set the background really clearly and there's obviously a huge amount of change coming down the tracks and a huge amount of potential so I guess that leads us on to thinking about well, what's the effect in terms of people um, what sort of preparation is needed to ensure that everybody has the right skill set to be able to take advantage of technology as it develops going forward? I think it goes to being curious as its essence that's what we need to be is we need to be curious and trying to find out and have sufficient knowledge about the way that AI works and how it's actually being deployed. So in the example of AI being used to categorise consultation responses, in order for me to be effective in my job going forward, if that was being used for that purpose, I would need to understand, well, how is the AI being programmed? What is it asking? What is it being asked to do? And what judgments have been made in it fulfilling that function and only then as a as a plan consultant or a development advisor could I then advise my client well this is the way to sort of best position yourself in that process or to get your consultation heard to be effective in the role um, so I think there is a we don't need to all be programmers um, and work with code but we need to understand and also be asking the right questions still of how is AI being used what parameters have you set it to to interact with the planning system. I would say from a, a sort of commercial practice perspective that what we we actually subscribe to a lot of data sources and tools and we always try and look to make sure that the providers are actually building in training within their their contracts that they provide us. So that's potentially in recognition that as people join the industry from university they've got some great skills but a lot of the products out there, a lot of the data is proprietary and, you know, is something that's through subscription. So there needs to be some more targeted training in terms of particular digital products that we use. But most people pick it up very, very quickly. I think one skill that's um, quite rare in our industry, but is extremely valuable, is um, uh, geographical information systems, GIS. And that's we've we invested in that about eight years ago. At Turley, um, and it's revolutionised the way that we actually look for land and, and premises for clients and then appraise those sites. And we store a lot of the spatial data that we collect on projects using that system as well. So over time, we're building up a big data bank of property and planning information, um, which then improves the intelligence that we take to clients and then how we actually sort of appraise their sites. Um, so there's relatively few people, I still think, coming out of university that maintain those skills. It tends mm. to be a sort of one course that they study in university as something rather than something that they major in. Yeah. Tell me a little bit then about the effect of IT and digital change on the recruitment process. Um, when you're advertising for a role now, for example, are you looking for a different type of person or a different skill set? What, what's, what's been the practical effect? Yeah, really good question. I think we are a bit agnostic in terms of specific digital skills. So if you were to look at any of our job profiles online, uh, we wouldn't be specifying you know, 
which software or, or sort of digital platforms people have experience of. I think we're still, for a lot of sort of core services that we're offering, um, we still look for those skills around ability to um, adapt and to be able to sort of reason and to be spatially aware as well as opposed to sort of specialising in, in, in a sort of digital um, role or sort of particular form of technology. There are a few exceptions there. Um, so, for example, we took the decision a few years ago to create the post of head of digital. And when we did that, um, it's interesting to see how that post has evolved and as a sort of benchmark for how the industry is evolving, is we created a head of digital post, which was very much concerned with how we present ourselves online and some backhouse sort of functions of how we get information to our own teams. That role now is really, really different. So it's more focused on digital innovation and partnerships with SME companies in the tech space um, and also product development as well. Um, so that's where we see the sort of future and the kind of skills that we need at a company level is we can see, you know, the world is evolving around us. We don't profess to be, um, you know, tech entrepreneurs, but we want to have the right skills in the company to be able to interface with interesting digital companies that are pushing ourselves and our clients into new spaces. So for one, to give you an example, at the moment, we're, we're looking at a partnership um, with a company that specializes in creating digital twins. Um, and we know that that's something that our clients have started asking us about as well. How how could we better deliver our service through use of those kind of technologies? OK, so you, you've touched on it a little bit, I think, but um, it's it sounds like the, the core skills that you're looking for today are in line with with what you were looking for previously. Um, if if you were giving some advice to someone who is looking to develop a career in planning, where should they be putting their focus and their emphasis today? What are the next steps for them? The thing that I've learned and has been most valuable to me is wherever you start, whichever profession uh, you start with, where we're talking about if you, if you start as a planner, you'll very quickly realise that you're interacting with lots and lots of different disciplines that that are really important to the planning of, of places uh, and developments. Um, and I think it's just being a bit expansive about your view of the world and what shapes great places is really, really important as you start your career. Yes, it's important to have a sort of strong foundation in, in planning policy and legislation and understanding of how to apply that. But I think if you really want to get on, equip yourself and be curious about what landscape designers do, uh, hydrologists, architects, economists even, um, because if you're able to take that sort of bigger view of what makes a place, what shapes the development, that is such a valuable skill. And again, it's in much you know, short supply in our industry, those who can actually talk about a whole place, how that interacts and creates you know, joyful experiences for people. Richard, that was a really positive note to end on and some really strong advice. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a really interesting um, look through some of the some of the issues in, in the planning world. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. That was Bricks and Mortar.
from EG with Sarah Jackman. For more on developing a career in real estate, see the archive of the Bricks and Mortar series at popbean.com and the EG Radius archive at egi.co.uk. 